His divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jaya, Jayam Vishnupad Paramahansa Parivaraja Kacharya, Ashtotara Satashishimad, His divine grace, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jaya, Anantakoti Vaishnava Vrinda Ki Jaya, All glories to the assembled devotees, All glories to the assembled devotees, All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Shishi Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Shri Prabhupada.
Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So today we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 4, entitled Sati Quits Her Body, and we are in text 23. Gotram Tvadiyam Bhagavan Vrishad Vajo Dakshayanityahayadasudurmana Via peta narmas mitam ashutadaham. Via peta kunapam twadangajam. Gotram twadiyam bhagavan vrishadvajo. Dakshaya nitya hayada sudur manaha. Dakshaya nitya hayada sudur manaha. Vyapetanarmas Gotram Tvadiyam Bhagavan Vrishadvajo Dakshayanitya Hayada Sudurmanaha Vyapetanarmas Mitamashutadaham Vyutsraksha yetat kunapam twadangajam. Yes. 
Vaishnavis. Gotram, family relationship, Dvadiyam, your, Bhagavan, the possessor of all opulences, Vrishadvaja, Lord Shiva. Why is he addressed as Vrishadvaja? Vrisha means bull. Dvaja means emblem, so his he is the he has the emblem of Nandi, the bull, so Vrisha Dvaja. Dakshayani, the daughter of Daksha. Iti thus Aha calls Yada win Sudurmanaha very morose. Via peta disappear. Narmasmitam, my jolliness and smile. Ashu, immediately. Tada, then. Aham, I. Vyutsrakshe, I shall give up. Etat, this. Body. Kunapam, dead body. Twat angajam, produced from your body. Translation in purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Translation Because of our family relationship, when Lord Shiva addresses me as Dakshayani, I at once become morose. My jolliness and my smile at once disappear. I feel very much sorry that my body, which is just like a bag, has been produced by you. I shall therefore give it up. Purport. The word Dakshayani means the daughter of King Daksha. Sometimes when there was a relaxed conversation between husband and wife, Lord Shiva used to call Sati the daughter of King Daksha. And because this very word reminded her about her family relationship with King Daksha, she once became ashamed because Daksha was an incarnation of all offenses. Daksha was the embodiment of envy, for he unnecessarily blasphemed a great personality, Lord Shiva. Simply upon hearing the word Dakshayani, she felt afflicted because of reference to the context, because her body was the symbol of all the offensiveness with which Daksha was endowed. 
Since her body was constantly a source of unhappiness, she decided to give it up. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Om Ajnana Tamarandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Svapadantikam Vanchakopa Thurubhyascha Kripasindubhyevacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Srivasari Gaura Bhaktivinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So I kindly ask for the blessings of the assembled Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis that we may be allowed to speak properly. Srimad Bhagavatam or Gaudiya Vaishnava Siddhanta is given down to us by Srila Prabhupada, Vaishnavacharyas. <coughs> so, in today's verse, Sati is talking about how Lord Shiva addresses her as Dakshayani. And Srila Prabhupada says, relaxed conversation between husband and wife. So we can imagine the playful banter of Lord Shiva and Sati. Every healthy marriage relationship has some kind of playful banter going on. And so in this playfulness, Lord Shiva would tease Sati, calling her Dakshayani, daughter of King Daksha. And... In this purport, Srila Prabhupada brings out two points about Daksha. Krishna bless you. That Daksha was an incarnation of all offenses, and Daksha was the embodiment of envy. So, in, we've stated this before that Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, our great Acharya, in his commentary on Srimana Shiksha, given to us by Srila Raghunath Das Goswami. It's a very nice padati or instructional book for us to tread the path of bhakti. And there he talks about pratishta being the source of all anartas. So when we think about the incarnation of all offenses, the embodiment of all envy, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur brings out this point that Pratishta, who Srila Raghunath Das Goswami says is like a unchaste girl dancing flagrantly in the heart so wildly that pure love of God can't reside in the heart. So this Pratishta, name, fame, adoration, right? Pratishta wanting to be known as greater than everybody else, this is the source of all the other anartas. Anartas, arta means that which has value. Anarta means that which has no value. So when we're conditioned in this life, we have this pratishta, we have this desire that we be greater than all others. 
all these anartas, all these unwanted things just flood our heart, flood our consciousness. And we're not able to really surrender to Krishna. We're not really able to dive deep into our spiritual life. These are the things that are keeping us away from diving deeply into spiritual life. And I was thinking that on the most base level, right, if you strip away all the nuances of what envy means, I was really thinking about how on the base level, there's two types of envy. Right? Daksha was the embodiment of envy. So two types of envy, envy of God and envy of God's parts and parcels. And we can get into the nuances some other time, but just those two principles of envy of God and envy of God's parts and parcels. And in Srimad Bhagavatam, 10th Canto, we see the most extreme form of envy of God, right? There's this king named Pandraka. And he was such a foolish person, right? He sent a messenger to Dwarka, Aduta. He sent a messenger to Dwarka. Why did he send a messenger to Dwarka? Because Balaram had left. Krishna's big brother's gone, so I can go and attack Krishna because his big brother's not there to protect him. So Balaram's gone. Now is the time to attack Krishna. So he sent this messenger. And Shukadeva Goswami mentions that he sends a messenger twice because Shukadeva Goswami can't believe that Paundraka would send a messenger. What was the message going to be? Paundraka felt himself to be God. He felt himself to be Vasudev. And in 1066.3, he was encouraged by others around him to have this conception. So it says the slow-witted King Paundraka sent a messenger to the inscrutable Lord Krishna at Dwarka. Paundraka was acting just like an unintelligent child whom other children are pretending is a king. I love that phrase. We'll come back to it a little bit later. But he was puffed up because other people were also saying, oh yeah, you're Vasudev, you're God. We'll go along with that. And so he sends the messenger to Krishna. The messenger comes before Ugrasen, all the other kings in the assembly hall in Dwarka. And the messenger says, Pandraka is the real Vasudev. Krishna, you are the fake Vasudev. You should immediately give up all of your symbols, the chakra, the Sudarshan chakra, the conch, the lotus flower, the club. You should give up all your symbols and you should stop faking because this is the real Paramatma. This is the real personality of Godhead, Pandraka. And everybody just started laughing. Ugrasen and all the kings, they were just having jokes at this messenger and Pandraka. They couldn't believe that this person had the audacity. And so Krishna says, you go back and you tell Pandraka that I will release my weapons. And when he's on the battlefield, he will become the shelter of dogs. Basically, dogs will eat him up. And so the messenger went back. Krishna 
and some of the Yadus, they left to go to Kashi. Uh, the kingdom of Pandraka was next to Kashi, and Kashi Raj, the king of Kashi, was a dear friend of Pandraka. So Pandraka and Kashiraj, they got their armies together to go meet Krishna on the battlefield. And what happened? Krishna just destroyed the armies. I think there was four Akshawani armies there. And Krishna with his Sudarshan Chakra and his arrows just laid to waste this army. And Shukadeva Goswami says that it looked like the... Uh, it looked like the grounds where Bhutapati, or Lord Shiva, would play. So there's just body parts everywhere, just soldiers just destroyed by Krishna. And Krishna drove up to Pandraka, and he said, I will now release my weapons to you. And even before this, when Pandraka was on the battlefield, everybody was laughing because he had made himself look like Krishna, he even put on two fake arms. Shri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur said he had two fake arms that easily with a sword could just be cut off. So he had two fake arms, so he had four arms, he had a fake kastuba jewel. Krishna was just laughing at this imposter. And so he shot to pieces the chariot of Pandraka, and with his Sudarshan Chakra he just cut off the head of Pandraka. And it's interesting because Pandraka then achieves Sarupya. <laughs> he gets liberation. Why? Because he was constantly focusing on Vasudev. So he gets the liberation of having the same form of Krishna. And because he had to experience the excruciating pain of Sudarshan Chakra, all of his offenses were taken away. So, Obviously, none of us are walking around, dressing up like Krishna, putting on two arms. Most people are not doing this. But it's a much more subtle type of envy that we have in this material world. Now, coming back to that phrase that acting just like an unintelligent child whom other children are pretending is a king. And in Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's amazing poetry and songs. He talks about when we're born, right? When we're born, we're showered with so much love by the family members. We're brought up to, you know, you're going to be rich. You're going to be powerful. All you have to do is go to the right schools, hang out with the right people, do hard work. You can conquer this world. You can do anything that you want to do. You can be president of the United States if you want to. You can do anything. And so we're brought up with this false ego, right? As soon as we're born, there's this false ego. So many choices. We're the center of the universe. So we're playing king in this universe. We're thinking that everything's centered around us. And we're building up sand castles in this world, house of cards that can fall at any moment. I mean, just thinking about this world right now, it's like top headlines, hurricane, fires as big as Connecticut and California, homes are being destroyed, COVID-19, there's just this material world is such a place 
But still, even all these things are going on, we still, I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to stay in this world. I'm going to enjoy. I'm going to become wealthier than others. I'm going to become more powerful than others. I've got this much wealth today. I'm going to get this much more tomorrow. I'm going to make all kinds of plans. And there's only one enjoyer. His name is Krishna. And we actually enjoy to the highest limits. We can't, even in our conditioned state, really describe the enjoyment that's there in spiritual life when we help the enjoyer in his enjoyment. So that's envy of God. Envy against parts and parcels. So the great demon, Agasura, he's the demon that represents envy, the anarta of envy. Agasura, what happened? His sister and brother, Putana and Bakasura, they were killed by Krishna. What was Agasura's plan? He was going to go to Vrindavan. He was going to kill the cowherd boys and Krishna. Why the cowherd boys and Krishna? Why was he going to kill them? Because then all of the other residents of Vrindavan would die. So he essentially was so angry at the fact that his loved ones were taken away that he was going to have revenge on the whole Vrindavan dham. He was going to kill, try and kill everybody in Vrindavan. He was so envious and angry. So Agasura took the form of a huge python, laid down on a road, and the cowherd boys, they were playing. And his, he was so huge that the cowherd boys, they didn't know, is this a cave? Is this a snake? What is it? They were describing different aspects of Agasura. And finally they decided, well, even if it is a great demon, even if it is a great snake, Krishna's going to save us. He's right there. So the coward boys started marching, dancing into the mouth of Agasura. And Krishna, seeing this happened, right, he has satya sankalpa. He has the ability that whatever he desires automatically manifests. So automatically he thought, I don't want the coward boys to go into the mouth of Agasura. I want them to stop. But they're not stopping. God, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is trying to stop the cowherd boys with his Satya Sankalpa Shakti. But through the Leela Shakti, the desires of the devotees are greater than the desires of Krishna. Krishna became bewildered. He started to cry. And he started thinking, how wonderful is Lila Purushottama, the king of all Lila, the king of all energies. Lila Shakti is overpowering me in this instance to get me to feel Karuna Ras, to feel compassion. So Krishna's crying, seeing the cowherd boys dance into the mouth of Agasura. So thinking about how the living entities are in the material world, constantly walking into the mouth of Agasura, and Krishna is just standing there crying. 
but our desires are such that he's not going to interfere. And so the coward boys go in, Krishna, deciding how to kill Agasura, walks into the mouth of Agasura. The demigods are shouting, alas, alas, what is going on? Right? Even the demigods, they were afraid of Agasura. They're drinking Amrita every day, wanting to be immortal, but still they're afraid of Agasura. So Krishna goes in, grows to such an immense size that Agasura can't breathe. He tries to grow bigger. Krishna grows bigger. Finally, Agasura can't breathe and his soul leaves his body. So Agasura wanted to kill he wanted to destroy all of Vrindavan because his bodily relations, his brother and sister, were killed by Krishna, killed in Vrindavan. So he was envious of not only Krishna, but the parts and parcels of Krishna. So in our own daily life, right, we don't necessarily see somebody do better than us and go, oh, I want to kill that person. But we do have that, oh, I wish that person was a little less good. I, you know, that, that person is doing kirtan so nicely. I do kirtan so nicely. They're going to get glorified. We, you know, we hear people getting glorified for the same things that we're doing. And, oh, why aren't they giving me glorification for what I'm doing? automatically pops up. But in this envy of the parts and parcels of Krishna, right? if we think about what we're envious about, wealth, fame, beauty, knowledge, even the renunciation of others, right? the six opulences of Krishna that are manifest within each different jiva. So in this world, people are powerful. They have so much strength. Right? They're gifted with strength. Parasham Rishu. They have so much ability to have so much strength. They have so much wealth. Right? Either they inherited or they worked really hard for it and their karma is there. We see people working really hard and staying broke while other people barely have to work and they're multimillionaires. People are beautiful. They have beautiful features. And so we become envious of the different opulences of the Lord that are bestowed upon the different living entities because of their karma and different circumstances. So we're in this mode of wanting to be envious of others because we're not being glorified. Right? We're either thinking that the center of the universe is us why am, I, why am I not being glorified properly and shown so much glorification and respect? But this is the duality of this world. Kaivalyam sattvakam jnanam. When you have knowledge, <clears throat> when you have deep knowledge, then you understand the different dualities of this world. Praise and blame, hot, cold, all these different dualities that afflict us. Right? If we have clear knowledge that we're the soul, we're not this material body, we're not this material mind, we're something beyond all of this. When we actually dive deep into our spiritual lives and we realize who we actually truly are 
as something that's spiritual, that has actually nothing to do with matter, then what are all these material opulences to us? What are all the envy and hate and all these emotions that are so negative within our life, what are they actually doing for us? How are they serving, uh, serving us to become a better person in spiritual life? And so how do we get rid of this envy? How do we get rid of all these anartas? We take shelter of the two Bhagavats, right? We read Srimad Bhagavatam, we take shelter of Srimad Bhagavatam, which is giving us so many instructions, so many pastimes of Krishna, diving deep into Krishna Kata. So many amazing instructions in Srimad Bhagavatam. Every syllable is said to contain prema, pure love of God, if we actually are diving deep into Srimad Bhagavatam. But then there's the person Bhagavat, who's showing us how to actually take the knowledge of Srimad Bhagavatam and put it into practical day-to-day -day life. And so Bhagavatam states, susu vasudeva sanmat sevaya vipraha punya that those great personalities who are Bhagavats, their pilgrimage places unto themselves, by serving them, Right? By taking shelter of them, what happens? Vasudev, Kata, Ruchi. We get a taste, Ruchi, for speaking about Krishna, hearing about Krishna. And then what happens when we hear about Krishna? Srinvatam Svakata Krishna, Punya Shravanakirtana, Hridaya Stoya Badrani, Vidunoti Surhitsatam. That Paramatma, Krishna, who is residing within our heart, will personally take away all of those dirty things that are in our hearts, abhadrani, those dirty things that are within our hearts, will be washed away and we'll be able to actually dive deeper and deeper into spiritual life. So that is the instruction of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, a satsanga. We have to, the first thing that spiritual people do is they realize the association that's going to be good for them. Poundraka had horrible association who were trying to back him up into thinking that he was God. Right? So the first duty of Vaishnav is to give up asat sangha, that association which is asat. It's going against eternity. Right? We're trying to get to eternity out of this place of duality of past, present, future. So to do that, we need the association. And then hearing about Krishna and chanting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, will be free from all these anartas and then be able to do some real service to Krishna. So it's eight. 40, I'll stop here. Thank you for your kind attention. And if there's comments, questions, reflections, corrections, is there anything online or? Sure. Sure, Guru Dave.
and I would cover it up for Boo. Yeah, we can give the example of Mother Yashoda binding Krishna in the Dhammadar Leela. She tries to bind Krishna up with rope that's gathered and she even gets neighborhood ladies to get some rope, add to it, and still it's two fingers too short. So Shiva Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur in his commentary, says that those two fingers represent Svanishta and Bhaktanishta. So, what does that mean? Svanishta is the desire or the compassion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead to help us, and Bhaktanishta is the determination of the devotee to. Uh, to serve Krishna, to surrender unto Krishna. And it can be further taken to, there's two sects of the Ramanuja Acharya Sampradaya that uh, take the cat philosophy and the monkey philosophy. Right? So in the same way you have the mercy of Krishna and you have the determination of the bhakta, you have the cat, the mother cat will take the kitten by the neck and carry the kitten around. The kitten doesn't have to do anything to hold on to the mother. Whereas the monkey, the monkey has to hold on to the mother while the mother's swinging from branch to branch. So combining these two together, you get our Gaudiya Vaishnav theology of mercy and determination. Or to take it into certain German words, you have... Uh, I mean, uh, modern words is uh, like you can look at Christianity versus Catholicism, where, you know, works versus faith. But you put both of those together. So Krishna is going to cleanse the heart. He personally states that in the verse that we quoted, Srinivatam Svakata Krishna, Krishna is the one who's clearing the heart. But we're doing the work in terms of associating with Vaishnavas, serving devotees chanting, we're making the effort to perform our sadhana. And then Krishna will cleanse the heart. But we also have to do the work in terms of keeping ourselves clean. Right? How are we going to get rid of anartas or stay clean if we're constantly becoming dirty? And so that's why even Shri Shukadeva Goswami derides prayas chitta. Right? He, Think of certain people in the medieval ages that would sin and then they would flog themselves, right? They would beat their bodies. And what, was, what is that actually doing? Right? The, they just sin and then they beat their bodies and they feel, oh, I'm suffering pain, so I'm getting free. But they keep sinning over and over. But bhakti is such that Krishna 
is going to give us so much help. Tesham satita yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam dadami buddhi yogam tam. He's going to give us the intelligence on how to come closer to him. So stated when you go towards Krishna, one step, he takes ten steps towards us. So whether we're going to, you know, have a list of the different anartas and go through, oh, I need to work on this, I need to work on this, I need to... Actually, all of that will be cleared away just by focusing on Krishna Kata. All the different demons are representations of anartas. So that's some ideas on it. Would you like to say anything else? Or is that satisfactory to you? Or... And Asuna Prabhu. I always really appreciated the simplicity of those two verses of what you quoted, Sri Krishna Mandir, Shrinidhanasya, and Shrinidhanasya. Simple for the simple. Don't have to complicate it. Okay. Everybody satisfied? One last question. <laughs> Mother Envious of a cow? So just to repeat the question for those online, how is it that when students hear the philosophy that um, they hear, you know, you should be vegetarian, how can, you know, you're eating meat, you're envious of those animals, but how can we be envious of cows? And uh, it's actually interesting on how so many kids these days don't really understand what they're eating. Right? So when you talk about vegetarianism and all these things, 
you know, to actually understand where their food is coming from. And a lot of kids are waking up <clears throat> also to the, you know, global crisis of climate change and certain things going on. So they're approaching vegetarianism in that sense. How can we be envious of cows if you're killing a living entity to eat, you know, satisfy your taste buds? That's a type of envy. That's your not just, you know, taking a little bit off, but you're becoming part of a part of a system that's engaging in mass slaughter of so many living entities just to satisfy the tongue. So just think about the basic emotion of how I'm going to do so much harm. I'm going to, I'm going to do the grossest activity in this material world of killing just, to, just so I can have something tasty. That's the most offensive activity that anybody can perform in this material world. I mean, it's shocking to all of us who've, you know, been vegetarian for so long. But people just, you know, they're not even, they're not even aware of their envy and their violence in this world. It's such an unconscious place that I mean, there's people that kill other people without even blinking an eye in this world. What to speak of then killing animals and all of that violence is building up, building up, building up. And that's why Srila Prabhupada says there's wars is because there's the getting rid of all these people who are doing the most heinous activity of taking bodies of other living entities just for their satisfaction. So again, envy is that you're wanting something that others have. Right? You're, you could say jealousy or somebody else has something and you're envious of that. So you can take it to that most extreme level. Jagadananda okay. Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, I wanted to ask you about the flip side of that coin that you just responded to, uh, enviousness of uh, Krishna, uh, or the cow, rather. Uh, would you consider it that uh, nowadays, especially, it seems there's a big push to be vegan uh, and taking it right up to the point of not offering dairy to the deities, ghee, milk, stuff like that. Would you uh, go as far as to say that even that is also a form of envy? Of the cow? That not to offer milk? Not necessarily offer, but the fact that, that we won't take it, or we won't touch it, or I can't take it, or, you know, all the reasons why they won't, people won't take it, or devotees won't take it like that. And that's a sort, and, and that could I'm, be envy. I'm asking. Mm -hmm. I'm um, I would say that. It's not a source of envy. I think, you know, this is not like a uh, Shastric 
you know, like we can go into Shastra and show veganism versus vegetarian or things like that. We always want to offer Krishna what he likes. At the same time, we are living in a world where if you're taking, you know, if you're offering certain things to the deities and then you're taking it for yourself and then you have a big college program come in, right? And you offer the deities so much milk and certain things like this, you give it to the students, you'll probably have some students who are vegan saying, why are you supporting the industry that's killing so many animals? And so then different devotees in Iskand and elsewhere, they feel that, yeah, how can we actually support a system that's killing so many different animals and then talk about cow protection? We're hypocritical then if we're not actually doing cow protection. So in this temple, we're able to, by the mercy of Scott and Tammy, get so much milk that's being offered to the deities. It's a himsa. Those animals will never be killed. They're not part of the system. And so we have to see the reasons and why certain people are taking that vegan lifestyle. Right? If we had, I mean, and that's the push of the GBC, right? Our governing body that we adhere to, they're, pushing for the, what is it, 2021, 22, that, 22, that every temple should be having their own cows so that they can offer himsa products to the deities. And also, we want to serve that which is the best to the deities, right? We don't want to serve, you know, just GMO fruits and vegetables, you know, the like go to the dollar store and get vegetables and then offer that to Krishna. No, we want to get the most opulent foodstuffs for the deities. So if we want to get the most best produce for the deities, why don't we want to get the best milk for the deities, which is ahimsa? And we can go into a huge debate on this, which is going to go on and on and on and on forever. And, but I, I would say that, no, it's not a source of envy. I think that there's really clear, positive, deep intentions in trying to go a vegan route unless there's ahimsa products there. Because there's no devotees that are just we should be vegan, we shouldn't even offer him some milk. No, the push is to have a him some milk. And I think that is, I mean, for all of us, I think even how we, you know, live our lives, it's like we were watching The Social Dilemma the other night, which is a crazy documentary on social media. And we're buying into so many different systems into this world. They actually have data every time we look at a picture on Instagram, every time we look at a picture of, on Facebook, whatever it is, they actually have the exact amount of time that we look at every single picture saved. And we're being sold to all these different advertising companies. It really gets like really crazy on 
what social media now is. It's basically your product and you're being monetized. So even the capitalistic society, how much are we buying into the capitalistic society, you know, which is then ruining so many people's lives. And so it's, how are we living our lives in a positive way that we're not going to affect so much violence on other living entities? Yeah. I mean, it's changed so much to think about, you know, the impossible bur burger. Now there's this new thing called incognito, which is like another burger patty. But all of this stuff is coming up because people are showing what, I mean, they're, they're using their money to send a message that we want more vegetarian options, we want more vegan options. So the same thing with the devotees is that, that you know, using our bodies and life to show that ahimsa is a much more natural lifestyle, you know, than, I mean, into, anyway. Go on, I'm not. So it's nine o'clock, we'll stop here. Thank you for your kind attention. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.